0: And scripture is clear, is that the enemy always comes, the spiritual enemy always comes to steal and kill and destroy. And I think what we're seeing right now is a a strategic effort to steal the identity of sons and daughters on the earth and to ultimately eliminate then the mother and the father in the earth, which then eradicates... The family, which then eliminates that picture of Christ and the church and this heavenly family, you know, the family that God has brought together, like the enemy is just actually trying to erase all of that and create counterfeits. You know, I've heard people, I've heard it said, the enemy is not a creator. He is only a counterfeiter. Hello and welcome to the Union Podcast. This is episode sixty-seven. I'm here with my husband Brian. Hello, and we're excited. And you know, this the topic we're going to be covering today is actually it's a pretty loaded one. Uh, but you know, we've just been praying now that every one of you who are listening that you would feel just the grace of God come over you for this unique time in history that we are all living. Uh, what is it we're going to talk about? We're gonna be talking about gender fluidity and the targeted um, agenda to try to influence our children. And uh, you know, right now, government and media have become some of the greatest influencers and and educators of a young generation. But as followers of Christ, you know the question is, are we going to hold to these ancient traditions, the scriptures? Uh, or are we going to hand over our kids to this ideology that seeks to blur all lines of gender design? So that's that is the big picture of what we're going to be talking about today in episode sixty-seven. We're so just glad some you're here. Light
1: listening, you know, yeah, just some easy going, like it's like classical music, right? Just easy to listen to
0: <laughs> easy listening. That's right. Um, yeah. If you, you know, if you're a return listener here to the Union podcast, we welcome you to, you know, hit that subscribe button. Uh, even to leave us uh, a rating or a review of what you've found helpful about this podcast. That's so, first of all, it's super encouraging to us, but it also helps other listeners find us and that means the world to us. So um, yeah. If you might don't mind doing that, we'd appreciate it.
1: Yeah, and if you're a first time listener, we would love. Well, first of all, we're so glad that you're here. Right. And um, we just hope that the conversation is encouraging for you and is life giving for you. Um, but if you're kind of unfamiliar with what the union is about, we just we're all about just helping people find wholeness in sexuality, identity, and relationships. And so um, we we hope that this conversation can be an avenue of you finding wholeness in these areas. Um, we are super excited about some resources, like, honestly, we want to be able to put tools in the hands of leaders and people, um, parents, you know, who, anybody who's working with the next generation and with the church and with family, we want to help you. We want to resource you. And so one of those resources, which we're super excited about is our awkward e-course, which just launched, was that in the summer? Yeah. Was it July? End of August. End of August. Man, time flies. It really does. We're already there. But we launched it. We got it done. And we are so happy with how it all turned out. Um, Six sessions um, on the bigger picture of having that awkward conversation with your kids. So parents, that conversation doesn't need to be awkward. There's some tools and some great uh, perspective in that e-course that's going to help you make that conversation just be less awkward and more life-giving and not just be one conversation that you have. With your child when they turn eighteen, or they're just about to walk down the aisle, you know what I mean. Um, it, these are these are tools and perspective that's going to help you in everyday conversations, just to um, really be instilling a healthy perspective towards sexuality and uh, and identity. And um, so, yeah, we encourage you to check that out. Visit our website, theunionmovement.com slash resources. Sign up for Awkward. It is completely free. And um, we believe it's going to be a blessing in your life. So as we're talking about gender identity, it is very clear that we are living in contested space. I love that term because it I think it just encapsulates so much of what it means to be a Christian, that you are living in in contested space. You are living in a battleground and that battleground is very clear. As we look into the world around us, we look into their current culture. Um, When it comes to gender, when it comes to sexuality, we're seeing these boundaries just being pushed in in such a strong way, I say within the last, man, 10, 15 years, easy. It's just, but it feels like it's just ramped up more so in the last five, but like we're seeing... You know, drag queens reading books to children in the library. We're seeing um, redefining of pedophile to be a MAP, an MAP, a uh, minor attracted person, Mm -hmm. because the term pedophile creates a shock and a recoil within people. And so we want to be compassionate. And so we're going to try to change the definition of that. Um, All the while, like we would never like... Never try to like write off somebody from the love of God and mm-hmm. the, the, the power of the gospel because they're dealing with uh, sexual desires that are contrary and are, you know, to God's design and God's heart and are perverse in nature. But, you know, like we're not going to start changing definition. But anyways, this is this is the battleground that we're facing. But here's the thing that we need to remember as we are walking through this contested space is that we are not fighting against flesh and blood. Yeah. Right. Our enemy is not like our enemy is not somebody who disagrees with us theologically, politically, whatever, Mm -hmm. or um, our enemy is a real spiritual force that's at work within a world system to to blind people to the reality of who God is and who the reality of they who they really are in him. And so that's just so important for us to remember. And that's actually just really good news. For us, when we're in this world, because if we can actually see that this isn't the end, the person sitting across, the aisle from us politically or whatever on this topic, you know, is on the other side of this topic. If we can see that actually they're not our enemy, this is actually really good news because we can believe that him who is in us is greater than him who's in the world and is able to transform that person's life. If we start to demonize people and start to highlight them as if they're the enemy, then actually we play right into the enemy's hand. And, uh, and the power of the gospel is actually pulled back from that person's life. Um, you know, they may not actually be able to get to experience that reality.
0: Right. And scripture is clear is that the enemy always comes, the spiritual enemy always comes to steal and kill and destroy. And I think what we're seeing right now is a, like a strategic effort to steal the identity of sons and daughters on the earth And to ultimately eliminate then the mother and the father in the earth, which then eradicates the family, which then eliminates that picture of Christ and the church and Mm -hmm. this heavenly family, you know, the family that God has brought together. Like the enemy is just actually trying to erase all of that and create counterfeits. You know, I've heard people, I've heard it said, the enemy is not a creator. He is only a counterfeiter. That's right. You know, and so, I mean, I even just watched a video of a, of a trans woman. So a a, a biological man dressing up in just like, like kind of Barbie attire and I, and him talking about wanting to be a mom. And I just thought this to me looks like an identity that has been stolen Mm -hmm. That this, this young man who's been lied to and a a destruction of who he really could be in the earth. But what's interesting, I think, you know, we maybe as Christians or followers of Jesus, we can get all riled up and just be like, that's ridiculous. How could they blur the gender lines? But I think, you know, from my observations of being in, you know, Western church culture is that in the church we've blurred lines. That's right. And I don't mean that like, um, you know, oh my goodness, women are wearing pants or they have short haircuts, or I don't mean those kind of gender lines, but I just mean actually like there's almost like an accepted androgyny, androgyny of like a philosophy of like we're pretty much the same, right? Like we understand the differences biologically, but we don't really know how to, um, acknowledge f- even physiological differences or even soul or spiritual differences. Um, And we're going to get into that maybe in in the second part of our conversation of how we um, need to actually become fluent in the language of gender design as God intended it. So maybe a question for you, Bri, like where have you seen that minimizing of the gender differences? You know, we as followers of Jesus, we're thinking we're thinking binary still. That's Mm -hmm. our conviction. Um, I know some there's some who would claim to be followers of Jesus who are, you know, they're crossing verses out of the Bible, but you know, Genesis one verse 27 says God made male and female in his image, in the image of God, he created them. But where do you see like that diminishing or a minimizing of that gender difference even within the church?
1: Yeah. Well, I think, I think number one, um, you know, you highlighted a really good point. Like God, God made both men and women in his image. So they're co-heirs with Christ. Men and women are co-heirs with Christ. Now, see, I think sometimes we're, we're using language that's actually just not, not accurate. We're trying to decide, okay, well, what's better? Is it better to be a man or is it better to be a woman? I think like if God made you a woman, that's what's best for you. And if God made you a man, that's actually what's best for you. And so when we, within the church, I think the biggest problem Because when we're using that, the language of like, okay, well, I think men are better or women are better, we end up, nobody ends up winning out of that, right? So we end up just cutting people down. And it's just like, we don't even want to talk about the differences, right? Because the differences are considered bad instead of unique. And, and so it's like women have a unique perspective. And I, and I know like there's, it's a broad generalization, right? But women have a unique perspective that is at times, at least in my experience, leading people and being part of a church community and in leadership, women have a unique perspective on things that men don't and vice versa. Right. Um, and I think sometimes there's personality styles that would probably minimize that a little bit more, but on a very general sense, you're going to see men will approach things a certain way and women will approach things a different way. And that doesn't, it's the language is not about, well, what's better is actually, it's actually just like, it's just different. Mm -hmm. Right. And so can we celebrate the differences? I think that's, that's probably the biggest um, issue within the church is that we're, we're trying to win this, this battle of like, well, what's, what's better, you know? Right. Instead of celebrating the, the differences and celebrating the unique dynamics within both men and women.
0: So like by trying to create some, Islam like, let's not fight about it. We're all equal. Let's just not talk about it. Like it, it or it kind of goes to those extremes, either let's yeah. not talk about it or it turns into a competition instead yeah. of seeing like, let's honor it. And let's like even instruct in how you're male, you're female, and this is how it impacts you because our biology does impact our physio- physiology. Mm-hmm. Is that I right? Did I say that right? Physiology? I could spell yeah. it for you. I know yeah. how to spell it <laughs> anyways. Um, and I think, you know, a thought I had on this was even within the new Testament, there are tons of verses that it's like, they just apply to all of us right? Like we're all heirs. Like you said, we're co-heirs with Christ. And so we all need to know, you know, these lessons about worship or warfare or generosity, but then the new Testament writers also knew there are unique Mm -hmm. challenges and like to our genders, you know? So there's portions that are like, Hey men, make sure you really do this. Hey women watch out for this. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, when we you know, within our families, when we acknowledge those differences, not all the time, it's not like we're trying to like get everyone to sit on different sides of the church. That's, you know, not our practice. Um, or within the home, it's not like we're trying to segregate because of the differences, but we're just trying to like acknowledge the difference. And then in a way it brings compassion and instruction to that unique design. Right. Um,
1: well, I think, I think you're absolutely right. The other thing I would add, is when we look into scripture, we cannot be reading scripture through our own cultural moment and our own cultural lens, right? We have to be looking back at what was going on in the time that some of these passages were written. So like one of them is Galatians, Galatians chapter three, where, you know, Paul goes to say, you know, in Christ, there's neither male nor female, Jew nor Gentile or slave nor nor free. And he's not making a case that gender does not matter. Mm-hmm. What he's actually making a case is confronting a lie at the time that somehow women were not, um, were like subhuman, you know what I mean? And right. so like that they, they could not have an inheritance in Christ, you know what I mean? They would not be in, uh, receiving an inheritance of, you know, the blessing of the Abrahamic covenant through faith or through righteousness by faith um, in Christ. They, they couldn't because they were women. Paul's saying, no, 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 in Christ, there's neither male nor female. There's neither Jew, Jew nor Gentile. It's and there's slave nor free. So it's like if you're a slave, if you're if you're like captive and serving in someone's home, or you know you're a work slave or something like that. Like the list goes on of slavery at that time. But like the hope was for you. It's just like actually your current station in life doesn't actually define. Your right standing before God. Yeah. And you have this amazing blessing and inheritance. So, what we've done is we've taken that verse now, I say we very generally, and we try to make that as if, like, oh, hey, there's no, there's no differences. You know what I mean? Right. There's no responsibilities or there's no key, um, key distinctives that God would actually have and and a perspective and accountability that God would have towards men and a distinct perspective that God would have towards women and unique callings within both groups. It's like, actually that verse is just about the equality within the inheritance in the Abrahamic covenant. So I think that's the important thing is like we, we look at cultural moments and the you know, as Paul defines them, like kind of the winds of doctrine that blow through our time. And we try to take, take the scriptures and interpret them through those cultural lenses that, that we're living in. And that's just not, it's not healthy. It's not life-giving and it's not good. It's not good doctrine.
0: Totally. And, uh, I mean, I think it's interesting is that likely the men and the women then, Regardless of their culture, because of their innate design, we're dealing with probably the same things that we deal with now as male and female in our culture. I love that about scripture is that it is it is actually cross. It can it can be applied across culture across like throughout the centuries. It's not outdated. um I think in that too. Like I think of some of the instructions about the maternal that that is given in scripture and. And how that force is still at work within women, you know, whether they've given birth biologically or not, there's still a maternal force within them. And I just don't think, I don't think that gets enough airtime. How much that's actually influencing soft hearted women mm-hmm. is that the maternal is something to be valued and honored. And Absolutely. anyways, that's like a whole nother tangent. Yeah. Um, but I've found that when I look to scripture and I think of, you know, first Peter three, how many times over the years I'll just like read that first paragraph of First Peter three directed s- to women, and I'm like, this is exactly what I needed to hear again. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think I don't, yeah, and I just I'm like there's unique challenges to women, and if we, if we just think about you know these are we're just all people of God, you know, say you're a pastor or a leader in the church, right. they're just people of God, and you don't start to identify. No, we're sons and daughters. And I actually believe that even, you know, on the other side of eternity, I'll still be a daughter of God. Like for eternity, God has said, Bonnie, it's good that you mm. are a woman, yeah, that you are female. You are made in my image and you reflect that for eternity now Absolutely. and, and uh, to find peace with that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, so we want to jump into this next part of the conversation about uh, how as parents, you know, we've talked about how. In culture, we're maybe we're not doing it well. We want to talk about how we can actually set our kids up for security and confidence within their gender
1: mm-hmm.
0: and to be able to understand themselves as whether as male or female. But before we do that, we, um, you know, a question someone over on Instagram had asked us on this topic. We said, we're doing a podcast episode all around gender and kind of raising up children. We'll, you know, do you have any questions? Here's a question that came in: How do we teach young kids to have a biblical view on gender while still being able to relate to gender fluid kids? Mm-hmm. You know, their peers; these are the friends are going to be their coworkers. You know, yeah. So, I mean, that's an excellent question.
1: Yeah, I think that right off, the, right off the top of my head, and I think. I guess really where I would stand on is like that's actually a gospel issue. Mm-hmm. So are we, are we teaching the gospel to our kids? Right. Because, mm-hmm. you know, they may have been born into a Christian home, but they're not Christians. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like until they're born again yeah. by the spirit through faith in Christ. So they need to see that even though they're born into a Christian home that might have biblical values, it's like they, at one point in their life, we're far from God and alienated from God because of their sin. Yeah. Right. So if we are actually showing that, like, you know, that they're not just this group of people that somehow just get it right. Mm hmm. That they were actually a people who were once far off, yet God drew near by his spirit and gave a new heart and new desires and brought healing and sanctified them, worked through their life to shape them to the image of Christ. If they have a good gospel understanding, Mm -hmm. then they're not going to be looking at that person who's struggling with gender fluidity. They're going to actually and see them as like, you know, this to use that term scarlet letter and just kind of put it on there and like, Oh yeah, they should just be alienated. And I can't believe those people, you know, Right. they're going to actually see them with a compassionate mm-hmm. heart and see that actually this is somebody who Jesus died for. That's right. And this is actually somebody who maybe Jesus would actually want me to not compromise on my convictions, not compromise on things, you know, that God's been very clear about in his word. But I think, I think this would be, you know, a person that God's probably wanted me to love and serve
0: mm-hmm. and care for. Yeah.
1: And, and, um, and pray for and, you know, obviously share the gospel with and, but right. live the gospel yeah. with them. And, you know, Jesus, Jesus was a friend of sinners. Right. Let's try to, let's try to wrap our heads around that. Yeah. You know, and the type of people who he was hanging out with. Yeah. Like, the Pharisees and a lot of the religious people and even just normal people. It's just like, how can this guy be hanging out with these dudes? Right. You know, and these ladies, you know, who probably had some, a little bit of a reputation. Right. You know, and so I think, I think we need to make that a very clear gospel issue. Mm-hmm. So if we're laying down solid gospel understanding with our kids, mm-hmm. then I think that's going to shape the lens that they see people around them through, yeah. um, and have, uh, you know, have eyes of compassion and, and, uh, be, have strong conviction, right. But also have a broken heart for, for people who are far from God.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Makes me think of the verse in is it first Peter where it says, like, live your life in such a way that even if you are accused of wrongdoing, Mm -hmm. like everyone who watches you will know it's just not true. Yeah. Like they'll say.
1: No, I I know him.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, well, you know what? Except that they invited me to sit with them at lunch, you know, and I know that I think they like, let this be what people say about us is Mm -hmm. like, I'm pretty sure they disagree with me. Yeah. And yet they're so kind. You know, or like they always like they come and like cheer for me at my volleyball game or they, you know, like their parents like invited me over or like shit, like they made extra cookies for me or like, let that be our reputation is like, okay, their conviction is strong. And their hospitality is equally strong. And so.
1: And if they don't like us, it's because they don't like us for the right reasons. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like. Not (laughs) that we're
0: jerks or that we're.
1: We're actually living like Jesus would. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I can imagine the tension Mm -hmm. in, you know, you know, you're, you're a. I don't know if you're a prostitute or you're a, you know, tax collector who's modern kind of like at the time would be a gangster and you're around Jesus and Jesus is around you and he's interacting with you. He's reclined at the table eating with you. Mm -hmm. Like that would be weird. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like you, you are around the most holy human being to ever walk the face of the planet as a sinful, broken person. You know what I mean? Like, you'd be like, oh man, I love, I love it when he's around, but like, I just, I hate it too. Like it would be this like weird dichotomy. Right. Yeah. And, and I think I I want that to be said about me, you know what I mean? That, that, wow, man, he really lives his life with integrity and holiness and, and he doesn't compromise, you know what I mean? On biblical truth yet, man, his heart is so open and loving and compassionate Mm -hmm. and, and patient to walk with people.
0: Um,
1: you know, but I can imagine like the, the struggle that that would be, you know, being around Jesus, Mm -hmm. um, you know, as he's just laying there, here's, you know, like God with flesh and bone,
0: you know,
1: eating food with you. Yeah. It's crazy.
0: Beautiful, beautiful question. I even think, you know, this, this probably a parent who asked this question, just the fact that you're asking it is a really good indication. Because it means you're thinking, how can I hold truth and grace in tension? So no. uh, just before we jump into the second part of our conversation, that's going to be a little bit more practical on how to, how to train children, you know, in, um, in biblical view on gender. Um, if, you know, if this conversation has so far been, you know, encouraging or insightful to you, just if you have a friend in mind that you think might also appreciate the content Just, you know, take a minute, send it their way and just say, you know, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. It's just another way that we can spread the words of, you know, the scripture and the hope of the gospel to more people on this, in this contested space, as you said. Um, okay. So as we go into this second part, a little bit more practical, uh, something I was thinking about is how right now in society, we are harvesting the crop that was planted a generation ago. Yeah. And what we're harvesting is because of apathy on the part of a older generation. Maybe, you know, if it's like those who were not followers of Jesus, the throwing off of restraints, you know, it's a couple of generations back now, but even you see the sex- sexual revolution, we see the second wave of feminism, we see um just like uh I don't know, it's just it's gotten really messed up. And the church has not always pushed back. We've not, not always raised our voice with, at the pulpit. There have not been many messages of truth and grace on these topics of sexuality. And we are reaping now the consequences of that apathy. Mm-hmm. But what is hopeful is that the, sometimes the judgment on a land is actually the wake-up call that brings people to the place where there's repentance and then revival. So what I'm seeing, you know, as I'm on uh, in social media world and I'm seeing people post and comment is I'm actually seeing a whole lot of moms and dads get really riled up about this. And I'm actually seeing pastors and leaders also leaning into these difficult conversations and doing their best to mm-hmm. do so in a gracious way. So I'm actually really hopeful that we are going to, like we're on the edge of a beautiful Um, I believe a renewal and people who we thought, how could, you know, is there hope for them? It's like, yeah, there really is hope for them Yeah, because there's going to be, we're going to, we'll hit, like everyone hits rock bottom, hits rock bottom. And, uh, and there is a God to call out to at that point.
1: Yeah. And I think this is, this is where, you know, to speak to, to church leaders, you know, is like, this is just something that's been encouraging to me is because You know, I want to be a compassionate person, but I also don't want to get pulled into the same quicksand that somebody else is stuck in. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And that's, that's sometimes what happens when there's a hyper compassionate response or like a, a perverted compassion, um, and empathy that begins to just accept someone's behavior that actually God doesn't accept or agree with, you Mm -hmm. know, we start to apologize for God. Um, you know, um, I think again, here's my point. What has been so helpful for me is like, if we can remain this with our digging in our feet into conviction and in God's word and trust God's design, trust God's, mm-hmm. the beauty of his, um, his creative work and the, the definition that he has for men and women, if we can hold to that, we actually give people a place to find refuge in, yeah. you know what I mean? To come out of the flood of immorality and find that high ground, right? um, and not get, not get caught up in the, the, you know, the undertow of being pulled out,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: um, with, with all this immorality within society. Um, and so I would encourage leaders like, Don't, don't compromise on compassion, but also don't compromise on conviction. Right. Um, You know, but also have, have that compassion that is actually rooted, rooted in truth and be a high ground for people to come and even be a place that people would go. I want, I want to go there. Mm -hmm. Right. These, the lies within society have shown themselves false in my life. I I bought them and they're broken Mm -hmm. and I don't know where else to go. And I go like, man, there's some people who love me and they, there's some people who have some answers because I'm really confused, you know? So I encourage leaders don't compromise on compassion, obviously, but don't compromise on conviction either.
0: Yeah. That's really good. So good. All right. So in that, in the light of that, uh, not compromising on the truth Here are five. I'm just going to, I think we're going to go pretty quick through these, but here.
1: Fire through them.
0: Yeah. Five ways that you can support your child's God given gender identity. This, yes, is the biological, how they are born, when they come out of the womb or at that ultrasound and they're able to say, I can see. With my eyes, this is a boy. I can see that this is a girl. And, you know, you can, some of our other resources, we've talked about how how beautiful it is to have an integrated existence. Body, soul, spirit actually are all meant to work in union. Um, Yeah, I'm not going to go into all of that. You can, you know, awkward actually is a great resource where I talk a lot about that in session four. So a little quick plug on that one. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the first thing, Is celebrating your child's gender. So uh, just simply, it's really saying, like, I'm so glad that you are who you are. Uh, As a parent, your words of acceptance and love are irreplaceable. And so, yes, get vocal about your acceptance and blessing of your child's gender, because there is already so much there. I mean, to be, if you're a girl, you are intimately acquainted with the difficulties of being a girl. If you are a boy, you have firsthand knowledge of the difficulties of being a boy. And so to be the the voice of affirmation right there that says, I know like some, yeah, sometimes there are challenges, but you like God made you this way. And I'm so glad he did. That's the first one. Celebrate each of your children's gender. Uh, Next, I think is super important, especially right now in society is breaking those unnecessary not God ordained gender stereotypes, because, and you'll see this a lot of the, um, what I mean? What I say curriculum around gender fluidity, fluidity, that's trying to push it is actually all based on gender stereotypes. So it's like saying to, Oh, you're a boy, but you really like pink. Oh, you might be a girl. I'm like, wait, wait a second. I thought we were trying to get rid of stereotypes. Oh, you're, a, you're a girl, but you really would rather just like climb trees than play with dolls. You're probably a boy. Like that's the message. So ugh, like, just break those things. God never said that. Mm-hmm. Like there is, there really is like room for personality yeah. within the feminine, within the masculine, Absolutely. you know? So get rid of those boys can be artists. Girls can be engineers, like give space for the, those expressions. Next, recognizing their innate value, and so this is again like just because through especially like pre-adolescent adolescence, there's so much uh, insecurity that can rise up, and we as parents are there to just affirm like crazy. You want to talk about being affirming? Right. <laughs> affirm your children in who they are, what they're called to. Don't. I mean, I mean, I'm a I'm a parent. I understand that you're in, you're with them day in, day out. You see their flaws, but look beyond their flaws and bless them as much as you can. Right. All right. Number four, educate yourself about biology and pass it on to your child. You know, so no one should or can logically deny the role that hormones play in our lives. So by learning about legitimate gender dif- differences, we can counter the lie that would say we're all the same or that, um, testosterone, estrogen don't actually make a difference. They really do. Uh, and then finally being able to honor the differences between men and women, the ones that are not just gen- like cultural stereotypes with the legitimate ones, you're going to honor the differences. You're going to eliminate competition, y- recognizing that men and women work Like they're made to work together in interdependence, not in rivalry, fear or intimidation. So those are five things you can actually find that um, as a PDF. You can download it, review it, you know, put it on your phone or something like that. It's just a reminder. These are five ways that you're kind of creating a healthy atmosphere in your home for your child to uh, be secure in who God's made them to be.
1: And we'll make sure that the link for that PDF will be in the show notes for yeah. sure. So it can be easily tracked. But um something a good friend of ours, Jim Anderson, developed is these identity statements for men and for women. Mm-hmm. And these are things that, you know, you'll hear in our house a lot. You know, it could, obviously, I don't have any daughters. We don't have any <sighs> girls. So it would be.
0: Yeah. just
1: how it is. We just got boys. Yep. We just make boys, I guess. Yeah, Right. So like we, we obviously you hear a lot of these statements directed, you know, the identity, identity statements for men and for young men. Um, you hear a lot in our house. Number one, like, Hey, you're made to be a protector and not a predator. Right. So like yeah. I heard somebody say, I going to get the quote wrong, but like raising children is like, um, extracting narcissism, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's just kind of like what parenthood is, is like, you're constantly just trying to get them to be not so self-centered and and more aware, more empathetic and serving those around them. So a predator is somebody who's just focus on themselves, their own wants, their own desires, mm-hmm. but a protector is somebody who's thinking about the good of others. And so that's something that we constantly say.
0: Yeah. To and our even boys. specifically, even around how they would treat females totally. and how they would not use the, the, you know, the, the beauty of the feminine as something to consume mm-hmm. rather as something to, to protect.
1: Yeah. And so you're made to also, so number one, you're uh, made to be a protector and not a predator. You're made to do what's right instead of what's easy. Right. Cause I think we, you know, as I talk with our boys, we have some, you know, whenever we connect and talk about this subject or just the things of life, we talk about like, it's easy to kind of have a double life. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's easy to kind of have secrets to have compartmentalized um, life. You know what I mean? I'm one person when I'm here and I'm one person when I'm, when I'm over here in this group. And, and then something I try to encourage them with is like, you know, actually you're made to be one person, Mm -hmm. not to have a multitude of identities. You, you are one, one person and you're one person when you're here and you're one person when you're there. That's what integrity is, is consistency and there's no facade. It's all real. It's all genuine. Um, and that your fuel is honor. Within mm-hmm. this, we have that you're made to be a protector and not a predator, you're made to do what's right instead of what's easy, and your fuel is honor. you know what I mean, and it's like you want you want to do what's right. You know that like compromising or cutting corners is and 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 maybe not not stepping in and being that protector, you know that that's actually not going to fill your heart, right? You know what I mean you're going to regret that, so you know um serving, sacrificing, you know helping others be better. Um, you know, that's what you're made to do as a man. And that, that honor that you'll get from that is actually your fuel. Mm -hmm. Um, and then also for, for ladies, you know, to be speaking the identity of a daughter. Um, and I'm just even saying that, that you are a daughter of God, you know what I mean? That you're a beloved, cherished daughter and, um, and that women are, you know, relational, and not, not just emotional, but they're made, um, they are emotional just like men are, but like mm-hmm. they're not, they're primarily relational and they're made for safety, security, permanence and commitment and and within, within that relationship. And mm-hmm. um, what would you say? I'm, I'm kind of blanking on some of the ones for girls. Obviously, I don't say them a lot, but.
0: Yeah, totally. No, I think that's really important that women, we thrive in relational safety, security permanence and commitment. I think that's what makes little girls give each other friendship bracelets It's right. like, please show me a symbol that you'll, it's not just in like the one romantic relationship, but just relationships in general. We naturally, I think cluster or try to, or try to find like, we just, I don't know. I think women do a really good job of networking. Women do a really good job of, um, building community. Um, and it is often like we, I, you know, eliminate the narcissism out of it. And it's a beautiful thing yeah, because we do right. it for the benefit of the whole. Um, so that's, I think that's really significant. If ever a woman is dealing with in a time of loss of relationships, you will see that they're dealing, they are going to be dealing with anxiety and, and f- fear. And, um, and they'll have, be having to process those things and bring that to the feet of Jesus. Anyway, so that's one thing made for relational security. And, um, and that's also within, for sure, within a, a romantic relationship, women are also made to know that their value is not primarily like it's their value is not how they can perform sexually. That's a big lie of the culture, mm-hmm. you know, just, you got to perform, keep a front, but rather like your value is who you are as a person. And when you are in those Relationally safe atmospheres. You can you feel free to release who you are and really actually shape the atmosphere You'll see mm-hmm. that in women. So let me see. Am I missing any other ones? Women I'm sure there's more. Yeah, again, we don't say them as much. We don't have the little girls mm-hmm. um, But those ones are really significant and I even remember once, you know texting a young girl who was just I mean, she was a part of our youth group at the time and just was jumping from one bad relationship to the next. I remember texting her, you know, this is, this is really who you are. Like God's actually, you know, made you to be valued for who you are as a person. Mm -hmm. And I remember her just like, almost like, like, how did you know that? How did you know that about me? No one's ever given words to that. Um, and, uh, yeah. So I think it is innately within women, like something in us perks up when we hear those things and we maybe breathe a sigh of relief and maybe think I really wish the people in my life knew that and would treat me as such make me feel so much better anyway. Um, okay. I think I, in closing here, I hope that's helpful to you, you know, leave a comment. If Mm -hmm. any of those stand out to you as like, man, I wish someone would have told me that when I was younger or like, you know, something that you think will be helpful for your own children. Uh, in closing here today, I was reflecting on the story of Daniel and the lion's den and about, (laughs) I mean, just a classic story. I've been reading it, Daniel, with our, with our sons the last couple of months, just slowly going through the stories. And he was in, he was in exile. He was in a culture that was completely opposed to his own Jewish roots, but he was holding on to his own convictions. And the story arises where some of his coworkers are just like aggressive against him and they want to get rid of him. And so they... Um, you know, they come up with this plot to get the king, to make this rule. Like we want Daniel to be taken out. And the only thing that we can notice that's wrong with him is that he prays a lot. So let's get the king to make a rule that it's illegal to pray. Daniel hears about the rule, goes home, bows the knee and prays. And I, and he, and he gets caught. And thrown into the lion's den. And then the miraculous part is that, you know, the, the lion's mouths are closed. And I was thinking about how right now in culture, there is this, a great, like it's a spiritual force. Again, this is not about the, you know, targeting people, but there is a spiritual force trying to silence the, not only the voice of the prophetic people of God, but even just the lifestyle of people of God. It's almost, it's now there's this pressure. It's not even that, you know, don't shove it down my throat, but even like, you can't even believe that in your own home. Like Daniel's not hurting anybody. He's in his own home, practicing his, you know, what the freedom of belief, freedom of religion. Nope, not good enough. Like the, this spiritual enemy will stop at nothing. He wants to shut down the prayers of God's people and this lifestyle of faith. And I'm just thinking, I want, I feel like they that, that's a real pressure we face when it comes to these issues of homosexuality and gender and, um, fluidity and binary, like all these terms is like, don't, it's not even like you can't talk about it, but also you can't even have it in your own home. You can't even believe it for yourself. And so I just wanted to, um, maybe just as, as we close, just say, an encouragement to you to follow in the steps of Daniel and hold steady in the face of this intimidation that we're all, you know, that's surrounding us. I know we're, you know, we're in the West coast of BC where there is quite a, you know, we're right near Vancouver, Seattle, Portland. It's all, you know, it's a, uh,
1: kind of a hotbed on this topic. It really is. And so,
0: I mean, we're aware of it. We feel it. And even when we travel to other regions, it alleviates, you know, so there's even, there's something even in the spirit in these areas so but don't give up like on this thing like don't like brian was saying earlier don't compromise on your convictions Mm -hmm. be be a daniel
1: we did want to leave you with a reflection question yeah so you know there's a lot of things we've talked about here and within that you might be listening to this and you're just you're fired up you're ready to go you're ready to make a difference, but you might, there's some of us here, you might be dealing with intimidation. You might be dealing with fear. And I would ask you just even just take a moment, even if you're just pausing this podcast, is just to take a moment and just open up your heart before the Lord and say, Lord, where, where is this fear coming from? And what is this fear connected to? And just even just be still and just maybe, maybe something will come to mind, but ask that question. What am I afraid of? What am I afraid of? Is it is it losing the approval of people? Is it being you know? Is it losing my kids? You know, because if, if I take a hard stand on this, and you know, who knows? The government might think I'm abusing my children if I were, you know. We haven't really gotten to there to. to well, maybe we maybe we are. I don't know. I know. But like, maybe that will be our future. Is that if you hold to a binary perspective of male, male and female, mm-hmm. that you know you're a child abuser. Right. You know, um, and maybe that's that's a real fear. Mm-hmm. But but take a moment and ask the Lord to to search your heart. And then also to kind of pray what David would say, like, Lord, search my heart and then guide me in the way everlasting. What's the truth here? Because fear is usually connected to a lie that's believed and to try to keep you in bondage. Right. Mm -hmm. So what's the truth that God wants to impart to you? What's the truth that God wants to remind you of to counteract that fear?
0: Yeah, it's really good. You guys are listening. I'm like, I'm going to slow down a little here. And let some people think about that. All right, and then the application, point of application. Here are just some suggestions. Dedicate to take a time of prayer on the topic. Because we don't, we don't want to become activists with a. Um, a hard heart, but we want a humble position with hearts of compassion, you know, to the drag queen in the library to remember that that can be a prodigal Lord, let it be that be our, let that be our position of our heart and that pedophiles, you know, that they could be set free Mm -hmm. and that their shame could be broken that's going to, that's big shame. Yeah. You know, but could they be free to? Yeah, they could, you know, by the power of Jesus, there's a space for them at the table of God too. So that's one thing Will you take time to pray. Another thing you could write a letter to educators, you know, to school boards and just still, you know, raise your voice again, representing the Christ or the character of Christ, but be honest about how you're actually not going to be passing this area of education over to, them, over to them, but you will be taking responsibility for it for your children's sake. You know, you could also um, go download that free PDF file. That we mentioned, you know, the five ways to support your child's gender identity. You can download the e- our ebook called Awkward, access the online course, you know, and just be thinking about it prayerfully do it with community and hold each other accountable to these principles and say like, let's, let's be brave together in this thing. And then have a conversation with your child about these issues. You know, even just tonight, as we are preparing for this podcast, one of our oldest sons, you know, like, what are you guys going to be talking about? So I shared with him, he, you know, he's aware of what's not everything, but a lot of things that are going on in culture. And then our eight-year-old walks in and he goes, what are pronouns? (laughs) Right. So then I'm like, okay, how can I explain this to an eight-year-old? I'm going to slow down and make sure he understands. And, and he, he goes, what's wrong with that? And, you know, and being able to say, well, cause God, like Brian, what you were saying earlier, you know, if God says you're going to be that you're to be a male, that's actually what is best mm-hmm. for you and for the world around you.
1: Yeah.
0: You know? And so saying to, saying to Caleb, that's, that's the joy we have being a creation and not the creator. We, mm. we get to receive identity. We don't have to make our own. So yeah. have a conversation. It could come up really naturally or, or you might have to initiate it, uh, but it's worth it, worth the awkward feelings to be able yeah. to make sure that you are the expert in their life on these questions that are coming to you, not going to Google, not going to their friends on the playground. Um, Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, something we wanted to do just as we close up here, I know we said that a few times we're closing up in conclusion. And then finally, you know, yes. as good preachers usually do, uh, closing or saying that you're closing actually means nothing. But as we are actually closing here, um, we wanted to take a minute and just to pray. And we'd love it if you just kind of pray with us mm-hmm. and just position your heart um, before the Lord that way. Father, we thank you for your great love. God, that you loved us in sending your son to die for us, to take our place, to live in the human experience, to come and put on flesh and bone, and to live the life that we should have lived, and to die the death that we deserved in order to give us the gift that we could never buy. God, in forgiveness of sin, in redemption, in taking our place on the cross, and God, we, we just remember the words of Paul that while we were yet sinners, you died for the ungodly. And Lord, help that just to be just etched into our hearts, God, that we we are gospel-focused people who want to make a big deal about what Jesus does for people who are struggling in the disconnect between their body and their their psychology and um, their biology and their psychology and their inner world and their physical world. God, I, I just pray that... Um, You would just release grace over every listener, God, to live as a missionary on purpose. God standing with conviction, but standing in compassion and patience as well. God willing to cross that room, willing to have that conversation with someone um, in in a loving, um, grace-filled way. God, and see you work a miracle in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening to The Union Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Please email us at podcast at theunionmovement.com. For more information, please visit our website, theunionmovement.com, or find us on Facebook and Instagram at The Union Movement.